0: Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. Hey, it's Ruben from Dove. We are on Connection Loop, our podcast, and we are here with Simi Aurora. The first thing that I noticed about Simi on her LinkedIn bio, actually, it says that she helps business leaders eliminate stress, attain fearlessness, purpose, success, happiness through Mind Mastery programs. I'd love to learn a little bit about what you do and how you are helping people do exactly those things.
1: Hi, Ruben. It's great to be on the show, and thank you for having me and asking me this wonderful question. Well, I'm passionate about bringing the change in people's life by allowing them to meet their real self and then be able to master the mind. Now, this is really important because a lot of times what we really identify ourselves is with our mental stories. And that is what really creates the emotion pattern in our brain, which allows us to make certain choices and take decisions in our life. So the more we are in tune with our real self, the better decisions we take because our emotions are right in the place where they should be. So this is kind of uh, also influenced by my personal story, my personal journey, which has been instrumental in uh, kind of building the foundation for what I do, which probably we should be talking about as well, I guess.
0: Well, I actually love to ask about people's origin stories and they're never linear. You know, they're always very diverse. I'd love to hear how you got to where you are now.
1: Great. So definitely like to share this because I think uh, this is one of the most important um, fundamental reason of turning around my life and uh, also be a big part of the purpose behind whatever I do right now. So I came from India uh, in 2012. And before that, I was actually working with a very large group and traveling all over the world. So I was not really fascinated by New York as such, but my destiny had gotten here through a marriage and it turned out to be kind of an abusive relationship. And I really had gone through some quite a lot amount of like mental turmoil and depression. And eventually, we got divorced. And I was really devastated at that time, because it was quite new for me in this country. And on top of that, I didn't tell my parents that I was divorced. (laughs) And they were sitting in India. And it was really difficult for me to tell them that I have taken this step. But I felt that if I had to take back a little bit left control over my life, I had to step out of this house and start to, you know, begin a new life for myself. So there was a lot of guilt, shame, um, you know, feeling of worklessness, of uh, feeling of this, you know, why this happened with me. There was these are some of the things that I constantly thought about and i did get a job and i started learning how to drive and stuff like that but one of the major things that happened with me around that time was that i got into anxiety disorder and depression and i was you know prescribed antidepressants which was which is the norm right if you get those uh, mental health issues so i was kind of lost and there was a point when i felt so trapped that i became suicidal and it wasn't because i was lacking the willpower It wasn't because I wasn't having the self-confidence. It wasn't about that. It's because when you get trapped in mental health issue, you just kind of become hopeless. It's kind of a chemical trigger in your brain that allows you to feel trapped in a certain situation and you don't know how to get out of it. And the turning point around that time was when I realized that there was nothing external of me which was going to fix me now. No other relationship. And I didn't have friends. I didn't have the family. It was only me by myself in a small little apartment, and I had to figure out whether I'm going to be living or just going to be finishing this story forever. So it was just about the personal experience of extreme fear and feeling myself at the rock bottom that actually brought up just new idea of exploring myself and discovering you know, who I really was and what was something that I was not aligned with that brought me to this place where... I'm like absolutely broken. So it was just a you know longer spiritual journey and starting from one place, leading to another, to another, and opening the layers of the being and understanding how to utilize your mind, how to empower it, how to train it to get success in life. So yeah, so it was quite a personal journey for a good full five years that brought me to another level of transformation in my life.
0: Well, I mean, I need to say this, that in so many ways, um, that is such a hero story for me to hear. And I have so much admiration and I have so much um, just I'm so impressed that you can come forward with the clarity and with the confidence and with the honesty to say that that is something that you've gone through in your life. Because to be very frank, one of my biggest, I think, frustrations about a lot of different types of cultures, you and I are both from India, so we're of South Asian descent. but there's this idea where everything has to be perfect on the exterior. We need to put off this front. We need to drive the Mercedes Benz. We need to have this degree that's hung on our wall. Everything needs to be permanent proper. We go to the temple, you know, we're religious and pious and everything's perfect, right? And it's so sad to me because in so many cultures, so many individuals are dealing with so many real issues, you know, of being stuck in situations, mental health, you know, overall happiness, Um, not living their best life, not pursuing their best being, if you will. And I think what's so interesting about your story is that um, as challenging and as much turmoil as you went through, you're sitting here now with me and you're sharing this story. And now you have this successful company and you have all this influence and you're teaching people now to overcome these issues that you actually endured yourself. That's profound. Thank you very much. I really see that. And I wish that more people had the confidence to come out and say, you know what, this is the shit that I went through in my life. And now I'm here. and I'm a better person because of it, because I've always believed that it's the suffering. And I don't want to you know, speak lightly of what you've been through, but it is truly the suffering that we have gone through in our lives that makes us who we are.
1: Right, totally. And I also believe that in the time of suffering, I mean, if you choose not to suffer and if you want to do something about it. You have to stand up for yourself and then really, you know, start to, first of all, take a pause and, you know, try to understand what is it that is making me suffer? What part of this emotion is triggering this kind of, you know, really bad feelings inside? And I also really kind of understood the fact that when we don't come up with our authenticity, when we are not authentic in our life, that puts a lot of pressure on us. And as you said, Riley, in my case, when it was all about talking to my father, especially that I have taken this step, and I'm probably going to be dealing it with myself. I was so afraid. And I was making up these stories in my head about like, what is he going to say to me? How would he deal with this? He's going to be really depressed, because obviously, as an Indian parent is too attached with me. uh, And the idea of how the kids should be. And I guess, a lot of the things that we continue to build as a story in our mind about what could go wrong. And eventually when he really got to know up after what one year time frame, it wasn't that bad. He was, of course, like very depressed about it, but he didn't make me feel too much guilty about it, which I was thinking that he would probably come at me with a very different kind of approach. Right. So so I realized that a lot of things are not as bad as we, you know, think they are going to be. And This is why our mind always either keep on living in the past, you know, comprehending living in the future. It's never in the present moment. But it is in the present moment that we can do something about it. We can take the right action and make sure that we don't repeat our mistakes and probably do something more amazing, which is in tune with our true self, which is in tune with our values and the things that we want to assign meanings to. So it took me a lot of courage to stand up and talk about my divorce in social media, because I'm not born and brought up in America, I'm born and brought up in India. So, but I think um, I came up so confidently. And I when I saw that I was living alone in US, and I could do this, I could, you know, take care of myself. So they also kind of changed with me over time. And another, you know, probably something that I would probably like to share with the viewers is about how I got into this practice of coaching, because that was another (laughs) layer of transition. Um, Because first thing was just to fix myself to get out of the depression and fix this panic attacks, which I was getting every second day, going to the hospital, getting admitted, and all those nine yards. First thing was that, and which led me to, when I started to open myself, I realized that I was not meant to be in Time Warner's office. What the hell I was doing there? Yes, I'm a, a star performer, but this is not who I am. I don't relate to the people around me. There was this itch. There was this continuous trapping of my soul, which was telling me that I got to do something else, but I didn't know what exactly was that. So I went online and I just started to think, I need to start to share my story about other people, about, sorry, my discovery about two other people, about how I healed myself. So I should do this certification of life coaching. I just came across that page where they were teaching how to become a life coach. So I did my certification. Even till that time, it was never in my mind that I'll be running this good size business one day. It was more about to share my story with people, to discuss how I was healed. And then I got into one business. I became a real estate agent. I quit my job. And then I got into second business, which also didn't work out. And finally, like, you know, transitioning from phases because I was so new. I was so fresh. I had freaking no idea, like, how to take support from people. I was still alone in this country. But eventually, you know, when I started to talk more authentically about how I built up my company, how I am really able to generate the revenue, plus I'm able to do something that I really find meaningful, was a huge, huge, you know profound impact in my business because I think when you, as I said, when you come authentically, you share your real self and you talk about the real things that people can relate to, it really connects the dot with people and it makes your business successful as well. So this transition was really, really important. and I think, very useful when i also work with a lot of startup companies and a lot of level executives and business owners who also get sometimes stuck at some point of their businesses
0: so how were you able to overcome you know your fear or feeling um contained or kind of stuck or you know these all these kind of perceived things that you had what was your path you keep mentioning that this idea which i think is beautiful you know these layers that you speak to how are these layers, you know, peeled off so that you could truly get to your true self and and really overcome these fears? What was that process like for you?
1: Well, that process was first to just do have the self-discovery, self-inquiry. Like, am I really happy in this moment? If I'm not, then there is something that I'm supposed to change. And the way I understood is um, it's, you know, going to some spiritual organizations. Uh, I mean, I've, I'm not biased for one, but I went to many different teachers because Uh, When you are seeking the truth, the truth is seeking you. Uh, It really happens that way. And uh, when I understood that, I am not only subjected to the activity between the body and the mind, I'm beyond it. And I'm the one that can actually make the mind work and attract the goodness in my life. So, so far, what was really happening was that I was fighting with the world. You know, I was like, this is life and this is me. And I gotta snatch something from life. Like I'm entitled for the goodness, I'm entitled mm. to the greatness, I need to be successful, I have to achieve certain things to feel great. So there was like me and life were two separate pieces. And now I'm saying I'm one with life because I'm the same consciousness of which life is made. This whole life is that consciousness, and I'm the same consciousness, same energy, which is interacting with all the energies. So when I realize that it's not from the space of the mind always I have to make the choices, but really from the place of the consciousness, which is one with life. So a lot of my fears got disappeared when I actually removed the separation, which was a mental illusion about me as a separate entity than with the life. So with the life and I became one, uh, and especially in the time of panic attacks, because when you have a panic attack, it's a really, really scary feeling. It you know, it makes people like go crazy, and it used to happen the same with me. And I am not only my thoughts, I am the thoughts that I'm continuously identifying myself with. So I think it was a very slow process of continuous interrogation of my true self and then, you know, changing my mental activity subjected to that, which was now working a little slow. It wasn't bringing that much of anxiety and panic and, you know, mental turmoil. It was opening up slowly and allowing me to change the mental stories according to what i really wanted to manifest
0: so there's a couple of things that i wanted to touch upon there so you mentioned that you went through this process of introspection and seeking something within yourself that sounds you know it's funny because people of south asian descent people that come from india meditation self-realization it's something that we're sort of brought up with to a certain extent it's relatively new to the west you know, I don't know how much of your Indian influence has to do with your ability or your kind of affinity to pursue that within your life. But how can people that are living their lives that are sort of stuck in some sort of a loop jump out of that to actually have that mirror, to have that window, to actually start to introspect and to self-realize?
1: Honestly speaking, there's a really funny, Ruben, that you asked me. Um, when I was in India, I was actually uh, living a very glamorous life. And I didn't feel the need of spirituality. I was 24 and I was really successful. I was uh, driving Bentley. I was actually traveling the world. I was really successful. I didn't feel the need of, you know, spirituality. I think spirituality also has a timing. Uh, I mean, back of the mind, I always was spiritually aligned, but I didn't have this as the foundation of my life, which is right now the case. When I came here, and then things went completely other way around, right? Than what I thought it to be, and I was—I think I was really emotionally, uh, you know, like deprived because of so many reasons of my childhood. Also, some of the things that probably are another level of uh, conversations. But I was emotionally deprived child. I didn't have emotional resilience at all. And in that scenario, when that, uh, you know, divorce happened, and anxiety disorder, this clinical depression happened, I wasn't ready for that at all. And that's where I realized that now there is no safe circle that I was living in, in India is there. There is nobody that I can make a call and say, hey, right now, come here to me and protect me and save me. I have nothing here. And all I have is myself. So probably to me, America has been such a profound element in terms of my spiritual growth. And also, I do believe it's my personal um, you know, opinion, because this is the place where my spirituality actually began. I was really surprised the number of people in the West who are actually getting into the spirituality. And spirituality really means just understanding what is something which is real in me, which never changes. What is something which is always with me, and that is the guiding light of my life? That's it. It's very simple. It's nothing to do with religion, I guess. It's something which is always with me the awareness, the consciousness which is not getting contaminated by mental stories. Because our actions right now are so much influenced by our subconscious mind. And our subconscious mind is a place of absorption of so much information, every other source, which is contaminating most of it. All of us really want to be successful and we want to manifest great things. But why do we become stressful? It's not because we don't know what to do. Because we built up so much of unnecessary, you know, information, matrix in our head which is kind of making the universe around us confused about what we really want to manifest. So it's a simplicity that comes in life of a spiritual being. So personally, I feel it's all one. It really doesn't make any difference. If you are going to get spiritually enlightened or if spirituality has to come in your life, it can come anywhere, whether it's Africa, America, anywhere in the universe, I guess.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you. This whole idea of, quote-unquote, going to India India is the metaphor of this you know, spiritual place to get enlightened and to go meditate and to go, you know, climb a mountain and to hang out with a sadhu. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's not necessary. Spirituality is all around us. It's all within ourselves. Um, you know, you touched upon something kind of personal for me, where growing up as a South Asian kid, I was born in Santa Monica. I was born in the States. Uh, my parents immigrated from India and uh, actually in the seventies. And what's so interesting is that for a lot of people in my generation, Uh, the cultures, the values from India were actually frozen. So from the 70s, they were frozen, they were brought to America. And then we were sort of raised with this kind of juxtaposition, this kind of diverse collection of these frozen ideal sort of Indian slightly antiquated values. And also the West and modernization and just sort of being an evolved, you know, kind of learned traveled figure. But what I think is really interesting about this is that it's too bad that too many people from places where spirituality, yoga, meditation came about into existence. They actually leave it behind because what they do is they go to the quote unquote West to pursue a better tomorrow, a better career, more money, basically. And that Mercedes Benz, you know, and in the process, they let a lot of that go. But it's so ironic that other cultures, other generations, other folks actually are adopting the beauty of so many aspects of you know yoga, meditation, spirituality, and now it's become ubiquitous. It's all around us. And now it's really just a choice. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, how old you are. It's just a choice that you have to make. So question for you is what is unshakable happiness?
1: All right. This is amazing. I'm glad you asked this. So Right now, what is happening is that we have kind of attached our happiness with the goals, right? Back of my mind, I, I don't even know how to be happy just like the way I am. I don't know how to be happy just like the way I am right now in this very moment.
0: What is happening
1: is I'm gonna be happy when I'll go to this evening party, I'll wear a beautiful dress and look great and I'm gonna meet and hang out with some people, I'll be so happy, right? Or if I'll make a couple of million dollars in my business this year, it's gonna be a great moment for me, right? I'll be so happy. Or i probably reach a certain milestone in my life, I'll be really happy if I'll get this boy or this girl in my life, I'll be happy, right? So what we have done is we have procrastinated happiness and we have attached this to a mental story, an illusionary future that we are going after. Now, that doesn't mean that we should not have the goals, right? Doesn't mean that we're not going to have the milestones because it's a human nature to look forward to something and to work towards that. Because imagination is what has created the creation. It's, it's a part of the consciousness to expand. So we are always looking for the expansion. So procrastinating happiness And let's say if you get it, let's say we got a million dollar, which we were so looking forward to, and now what? And I've I've worked with a lot of multimillionaires, and I see that they have everything you could ask for, like if I can ask for a middle class person to have, but they're not happy. And they told me that I was thinking that if this would happen, I'll be happy, but now I have this new problem. So why there is something or the other which always comes and bug us? Is because when we procrastinate happiness and we are tying it up to a particular milestone or particular goal, we are allowing ourselves to become more and more miserable because when we reach at that particular state as well, there must be something or there would be or there could be something which is going to shake that happiness for us. It could be another personal problem. It could be the health. It could be you know somebody not being healthy in our family. could be anything. So unshakable happiness is all about being in a state of mind which is neutral all the time. Being in the state of happiness and starting from there and creating the life that you want. Because what really happens is when we are happy right now in this very moment, what we have, we have two resources. We have more energy, right? And we have more enthusiasm. Like when I'm happy, what do I feel? I feel more energy. Wow, I wanna do this because I'm happy. Let's go, let's do this, right? Our body language changes when we are happy. And this is what actually builds bigger businesses. This is what actually build more success because when you're more happy, you're more energy and more focus. So unshakable happiness is a state of mind where you're not seeking something to make you happy, where you're happy, you know how to be happy in this very moment and then build up on that. Build up on that and create whatever you want to create, the amazing meaning in your life, manifest it, by just simply being happy, so just being able to develop a mindset which is not shaky in nature, which is not always looking for an excitement, which is in a neutral way, going towards and manifesting, but always remain non-resistance and in flow.
0: I love that. That's <laughs> profound. These are words, these are words to live by. And um, all right, guys, we are we are back on with Simi, um, we actually had a little interruption there. I actually had a call with the Venture Capitalist, uh, which I unfortunately could not reschedule. Um, But I'm sort of glad that it happened the way that it did, because I think I got just enough of a confidence burst and a little bit of excitement and inspiration from having that really deep conversation with Simi uh, before that call. So Simi, thank you for that. And I apologize.
1: (laughs) That's perfectly fine.
0: Yeah. So, but I did want to jump back in. um, As I stated earlier, you know, I was really intrigued by our conversation and there's a couple of areas that I wanted to explore with you a little bit more. So this idea of, I think, as I understand it, a term that you've branded is unshakable happiness. And then the kind of the three D's within that detach, decondition and design. And then the other thing I think that would be really interesting is to actually understand your model. Like how do you go and install yourself into businesses or as a consultant, as a leader? Uh, as an expert and sort of assist people with the model that you've developed
1: sure so as the term unshakable happiness coined itself and it itself you know expresses its meaning which is about a happiness that is unshakable and uh, ruben you know in this world right now we are always bombarded with so much of external stimulus there's continuous challenges and chaos and you know the mind which is so habitual of overthinking tends to bring us misery and suffering, even though it is not that bad out there. You know, I mean, it's like the story that we create inside our heads. So people tend to attach their happiness with certain milestones or goals. And once these goals are, you know, they see that they are happening, they're, they're able to achieve them. They feel excited, they feel happy. And that is very short-lived and momentary experience. And there is something else which comes up and kind of break that state of mind. So it's like, you know, we chase happiness. And then after a while, when we feel that we have attained a certain goal, we go back to the same zone. So happiness is not something that, first of all, needs to be chased. It's a state of mind. And when we add unshakable with it, it's like a mindset which is unshakable which remains there, which stays with you all the time and no matter what is happening outside of you, you are still able to, you know, feel the goodness, feel happiness, feel stability and peace and which really enhances a person's potential when, you know, it really comes to, you know, going out and creating this massive business or, you know, producing really amazing, you know, art or expressing themselves fully and authentically. So, That's what I'm endorsing. So I'm endorsing a state of mind which is not fluctuating by the external stimulus, which are always changing and affecting our mindset.
0: Got it. I love that. So I love that you you kind of articulate this really nicely, which is this idea of people associating happiness with goals. Mm -hmm. And that's not sustainable because goals are met, hopefully. And then once they are, then once you sort of achieve that and get that certain hit of dopamine and that sense of satisfaction, then you potentially go back to your status quo and you want to go and accomplish the next goal in order to attain that happiness that you so seek. But rather what you articulate is that we should not chase happiness. Rather, it's something that we should have as a state of mind. So I think that's beautiful. I mean, it's also, I think to a lot of people... It might be a little bit foreign because they're so far away from feeling that and experiencing that, that they can't imagine that all that they have to do is make a choice because they've got debt and they've got situations that are potentially abusive or stressful or, you know, God knows what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. How do you overcome that? How do you overcome those immediate kind of issues that you're having in your life? I mean, one of the things that I always feel about when I talk about this conversation is that it feels like it's a luxury. It feels like it's a first world luxury that you can have happiness be a state of mind. Whereas Mm -hmm. some people, they might not actually have that quote unquote luxury.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, first of the fundamental thing that we really need to understand is that whatever we perceive out there is a mental experience. Even happiness or fun or excitement that we so are looking to experience every day is a mental experience. So my work actually pertains to going deeper into understanding what happiness is and what exactly are we here to experience? Like, what is the fundamental reason that we suffer? So when it comes to, you know, sustaining the happiness, it's more getting in tune with your mindset, more, you know, reframing the mind to look at the opportunity, you know, in any adversity. So I went actually one layer deeper. And since you asked me about the model earlier, so the model that it uses, especially for the business leaders out there is called help. So what we are really trying to do with help is we are starting with the happiness. We are saying that happiness is not something that you have to you know, achieve or manifest, it's already there available to you right now in this very moment. And when you have the happiness, you build up a powerful self-esteem, which is having the confidence in yourself, having the confidence in life and having the ability to manifest what you really want to manifest. And once you have those capacities and those abilities and those fundamental clarities, you tend to become a great leader. And L stands for the leadership. And a great leader possesses a very clear mission. He's so clear about you know, what really he stands for and what he you know, wants to interpret in terms of his presence, his legacy in the society, which gives him a sense of purpose. And when we have a purpose, when we are you know, like aligned with our true self, aligned with our authentic expression in the world, it automatically brings happiness. So it's kind of a loop. But the question is, how do we start with happiness? Because in our heads, the way we haven't, you know, kind of thought about happiness is that it's a state that we we tend to achieve when we get somewhere. It's not like something that we already have. We don't understand that concept of happiness that's already there within our system just because we are alive and we are present and we can access it.
0: Access it. So talk to me about that. What does that word mean?
1: So for that, I think we need to again go one layer deeper and understand what is it that is making us miserable? What is it that is making us feel that we don't have it? And that is actually a whale of ignorance, which makes us feel that we are separated from life, first of all, you know, the separation from life. And then we have to get something out of life to feel, you know, we got something and that now I'm happy. So when we become one with life and we understand that, It's not the separateness, but the, you know, kind of coming together with life that is going to probably put us more in flow and, you know, kind of stop this resistance of trying to achieve something. So. Coming one with life means that we kind of are able to let go of some of the mindset issues, let go of the you know mental stories, let go of the concepts and structures that we have built up over ages, which I also call mental conditioning. So the mental conditioning says that you and life are separate and you have to do something specifically to achieve happiness. But if we really come into the present moment and look at our lives right now, and in fact, look at our body right now, we have our heart beating, we have billions of microbes working in our gut to making our digestive system work. We have everything working inside of our own body seamlessly without anybody's interference. Life is already happening. Life is already happening around us, within us all the time. So when we come one in one with life and we understand that it's not, we're not separate, but we are one and anything and everything which is, which I'm experiencing right now in this very moment is actually helping me get on the journey of my own desires and dreams. And this moment is the moment where I have to put in the maximum focus and attention rather than just building some hypothetical imaginative, you know, a vision or a not in fact a vision, but I would say just a daydreaming about a particular goal that I'll get to that point and then I'll be happy. So just having the gratefulness of being alive and being able to experience life and being able to, you know, experience everything that you want to achieve and so far you have achieved in your life. So I think that's where I would like to start this conversation.
0: You know, there's this documentary that I saw on Ram Das, which is called Going Home. And um, those of you guys that don't know, Ramdas is a, uh, he's a researcher, he's an author, a spiritual teacher. Um, he's amassed a pretty significant following all around the world. Um, he just had this one thing that he would say as he was going through his life. And it was these simple words, I'm loving this moment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and he would make it a point to, during any stress, during any conflict that he was enduring and trying to overcome, he would say, I'm loving this moment. And uh, even in his darkest moments, he would say that I'm loving this moment. And I, I really took to that because in our most stressful situations, whether it's that we're stuck in traffic or, you know, we're dealing with a tough career situation or financial issues or, you know, issues with kids or, you know, interpersonal issues, relationships... You know, if you can sort of start with that idea of I'm loving this moment and just go into it with that positive framework, positive mindset, you know, you might have a higher chance of of actually receiving or, in your word, accessing um, that happiness that we so greatly seek. So this Mm -hmm. is something that I I found really um, important. So I just wanted to share that. Um. Absolutely.
1: In fact, in my personal experience, too, as I spoke of my journey with anxiety and depression, and I realized back in those days that There was nothing else. Though I was making money, I had a job. So in those days when I suffered from anxiety and depression, I realized that I am not able to kind of control my mind. I'm not able to understand what was going on within me. And it wasn't like a disease. It wasn't like, you know, something chronical in terms of the physical ailment but it was something which was my mental story. So happiness is something that is so simple and so easily accessible, but our mind makes it difficult for us. And this is all because of the mental conditioning. And hence, you know, when we spoke about the model that I used, detach, decondition, and design, the first aspect of that, detachment. Detachment is a process which allows you to detach with your current stories, concepts, structures, beliefs, and any emotion which is holding you back. So when you detach yourself with your mental stories, you're able to look them at as a witness. So for that, there has to be another deeper layer that we have to get into, and that is like, who am I which is looking at the mind? What is this energy which can actually interpret the mind, can understand what's going on, can witness it? And then, you know, we kind of like understand it spiritually in the form of a witness consciousness, which is the awareness and looking at your thoughts and feelings and perceptions. And when you are not identified with the mind, so like in today's world, what is happening is that people think and when whatever they think, they get identified with it. And that's why the beliefs like I'm not good enough. If I'm going to start this business, I'm going to be a failure. And all those beliefs are the identifications. So what we do is we try to detach the real self from the superficial identifications and bring the real self more into the picture, like more into the clarity. And, you know, have the sensibility of the most important factor that I am not my mind and I'm not my body. These are both the mental constructs that I use to kind of facilitate some experiences and, you know, manifest all these amazing desires that I have. But I'm not my mind. And if I'm not my mind, then I can change it It based on like what I really want to experience. So this is what detachment really means. And then if we go further, so when we speak about deconditioning, it's really the process of letting go of all those negativities and beliefs and, you know, the stuff which is holding us back including the past experiences, past learnings. I think it's more about unlearning that really happens in this process. And then start to see yourself with the true light. And then set up the goals, which are really now coming from the place of knowing your real self and not the mental story or the social construct that you have built up based on what other people want you to be. And especially when it comes to success. And then we design, designing is a stage where, Now we're clear who am I, I'm clear how my mind operates and what is something that I have to let go and what is something I need to incorporate. We design the exact goals and the vision and the mission and the purpose and then go forward towards achieving, which I probably would like to call manifesting. Because again, achievement to me sounds like, hey, I'm entitled for something, you know, give it to me. And if I'll have it, I'll be happy. So manifesting is more about, hey, I know I'm in flow of life. And I know I have this deep desire and I know that life is supporting me and I know I'm going to get there. And that's what, you know, uh, people have spoken about a lot in law of attraction books and stuff like that. I believe in non-duality, which is like oneness of the universe and there's no separate entity uh, like a world and you. So there's no gap. So when we eliminate these gaps, we automatically become one with life. And that is something which has fundamentally shaped my life and, you know, the way I operate in my personal business. And a lot of, I think, hundreds of people that i work with globally now, um, you know, manifesting whatever they really wanted to be at a great job or starting a new business or, you know, becoming a coach or whatever it is that they really wanted. So it has really been totally transformational journey for myself and the people that i worked with.
0: So apparently all of the gold on planet Earth can be fit into a an average size pool. And I believe that This knowledge is gold. I think it's really important. These are really important nuggets of information that I think that people really need to understand and embrace. And um, I I wanted to make sure I I sort of understand these and, and I get them very clearly in the show notes. So you had mentioned an idea or a construct of HELP, and I think the L standard for leadership. Can you clarify what that program or what that sort of ideal is?
1: As I explained earlier, HELP stands for happiness, esteem, leadership, and purpose. So when it comes to being a great leader, you need to have a clear purpose. And the purpose really here means being the authentic voice for something that you really wanna stand for. It could be being in a corporation that you work with and you wanna just have people commit to the mission of that organization, or it could be your own personal you know, uh, business or something that you really wanna manifest. So the leader basically, produces more leader and hence he has to have a purpose and mission but in order to become a great leader we need to have this amazing capabilities and abilities and skill set which comes from the deeper level of confidence and that confidence which is again not a mental story that hey listen I'm a leader and I gotta do this I gotta you know I gotta be influential and impactful it should be a natural part of your personality and how does that become a natural part of your personality is when you are authentic yourself. You are true to your mission and your purpose and you know that every day whatever you are doing is a meaningful stuff for you, a meaningful conversation, a meaningful purpose for you. And in order for us to get there, in order for us to be naturally impactful and influential and have people look upon at us and you know kind of follow that particular mission or purpose, is to have a state of mind of happiness, a state of mind where there is a natural understanding about all these problems that we come across, all the challenges that are happening in our life, is not like making you unstable and angry and you know nervous, and in fact, it's giving you you know kind of an opportunity to grow and evolve. You're looking at everything from a positive perspective. I think that kind of really shifts your personality. And in order for you to be impactful and influential, and being on mission, that state of mind is crucial.
0: Got it. And then, based on this, um, what you went into kind of in detail is a model that you've created it was really interesting. And I think one of those phases was the manifesting phase. Could you sort of just give me the the punch list of what the high level, top level phases of this model are that you've created?
1: You mean to say the design, the conditioning, uh, detachment, design, design
0: conditioning. Yeah, and then I recall you stating that one of the phases was the manifesting phase. So I want right. to actually, if do you have a clear so, list?
1: I mean, usually what really happens is that all these three things that we do, detachment, designing, and uh, detachment, deconditioning, designing, they kind of overlap each other as well because, you know, life is not a straight A line, right? We tend to mix up things and our mind is always like m- doing multiple things at one time. When it comes to manifesting, the first thing that we really need to dig deeper in is into the clarity of what I really want to do, what I really want to achieve. Having an exact clarity is really important. And that's what we do when we visualize. I mean, you use the practices of visualization. There's enough scientific evidence supporting it, which kind of like solidify, you know, your purpose and solidify what you really want to do. And the second part is the focus having the right amount of focus because if you don't have the focus you are not going to use something what we call the energy into the right direction and which is anyways we we have a finite amount of energy on the daily basis so if I am clear I'm focused I'm having all this right amount of energy towards my goal then I'm going to do something what we call the affirmations which is again one of the much used exercise where I continuously shift my mindset and, you know, empower my mind with the beliefs, with the ideas which are going to allow me to naturally get towards my particular goal or milestone that I have, you know, I really want to experience. And along with that, one of the things that I really emphasize is emotional resilience. Because if you are on the track, even if everything is going well, even if you are clear about your vision or your mission, even if you have clear focus, even if your energy is going the right direction. If you are not ready for the challenges, if you are you know, gonna get some sort of negative stimulus from people out there, such as looking for approvals and validations or somebody being critical to you and you don't have the emotional resilience to handle that, it's gonna get back to the same problem. So we tend to, again, this is where we come back to the same phase again and again, which is detachment. So detachment allows us to bring the understanding again and again that listen, it is a thought which is coming up. It could be a thought of anger, it could be a thought of jealousy, it could be a thought of nervousness, less confidence, but it's simply a thought and I'm not my thought. And what other people are thinking or projecting about me is also a thought and I'm not either that. So I am going to detach myself from those thought patterns which are actually you know, making me feel uneasy, restless, anxious, and uh, sometimes depressed. So this kind of go all along, but majorly clarity, visualization and affirmations are the way to go for the manifestation.
0: Very cool. You mentioned something um, which I really connect to, which is um, witness consciousness. Mm -hmm. And as I understand it, this is the idea of being able to look at our state of mind as our state of being from third party perspective so that we're not inundated or we're not stuck into potentially the emotional or even superficial side of the Mm -hmm. interpretation of that often conflicting situation. And I think that this is, I try to do this as much as I can, which is I try to take a look at a situation a conflict and then look at it from the exterior view because then I can remove my emotions from it and I can remove my reptile brain from it. And I can start to really tap into a deeper, more thoughtful, more mindful mindset so that I can make ultimately the right Mm -hmm. choice. How can you sort of teach people to enable this type of thinking and this mindset?
1: Well, it's a great question. And I uh, honestly speaking, Ruben, it got me seven years of spiritual journey to get to the point where I was able to get to this truth and was able to implement that in my life because it is something which is very hard to explain because it is something which is which has an experiential value. And a lot of people right now are looking for their life answers through the intellect. But this, what we are speaking about, being aware, is not a very much of an intellectual process. It is a process of experience. So I believe in the non-dual philosophy. And there are many different types of teachers from uh, Vedanta to non-dual teachers, Rupert Spira and many others, who have kind of explained it very nicely and in a layman language why I am not the body and the mind. Just starting from recognizing that I am not my body and I'm not my mind, because body is ever shifting and ever changing, you know, and mind is also evolving and changing. Mind is evolving and changing based on the external circumstances and environment that you grew up in. And the body is ever-changing and shifting each and every cell of the body is shifting every day every minute every second again because we are present here and it is a continuous process so everything that we come across based on the quantum physics as well is like a flu has a fluid-like property and it is basically evolving and moving every time so there is no specific matter out there even if we are using our sense perception to touch and feel it so knowing that even scientifically we are getting to a conclusion that everything is energy and there's no specific matter out there that we really come across it gives us enough perspective on knowing that and my body is ever changing my mind is ever changing what is it which is not changing and that you will understand that it's simply the awareness the awareness that i was 5 years old the awareness that i was 25 And the awareness that now I'm 35 or 45. So just having the experience where we just sit back and be in that moment and then just check in that particular moment, what is it? Who is it which is experiencing this moment? Or who is it which is experiencing this thought? Then immediately you'll realize that if I'm having a thought, I'm able to notice that. And that noticing itself is an awareness. Without you knowing something exists, there's nothing that exists. So again, there's very like deeper ways, the processes that I use, which usually takes some time, like a few days or a week to kind of solidify these experiences, but as I said, it's not something that we can understand intellectually. It is something when we follow certain practices and one of the practices that I teach is pranayama, which is using your own breath to be able to bring your mind into the silence. And when the mind is silenced, you are able to get in touch with your awareness or this conscious energy with ease.
0: But living within the physical realm is just so fun, though food and wine and roller coasters and physical intimacy and Adrenaline of being on a bike going down a hill these things are just so fun. It seems so natural I can feel so present when I'm doing these types of things You know, this is what some folks might say to you Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to be able to detach and to look at ourselves as energy and not our mind and our body Mm -hmm. But we are such physical beings in nature you know, mm-hmm. and that's just how we are. That's It's how, beautiful. That's it's our beautiful. natural state. Mm-hmm. In order to get to this deeper mental state, it requires meditation. It requires commitment. It requires attachment. It requires. Well,
1: yeah, Ruben. So one of the things which people really get wrong is that the thing that if you are talking about, you know, all this spiritual aspect, it stops you from living fully. I think it's absolutely the other way around. In fact, there are so many people who bike in the beautiful hills, but they're thinking about something else. Well, you know, they're eating the food and they're thinking about something else. They are not there mentally. When you are a physical being, you are actually not a physical being. You are a being of light, but you are able to experience through the physical aspect of your being. So which is like touching, feeling, you know, sensations, all these amazing things that you spoke of. This is what, again, the spirituality is just simply saying that live it to the full, fullest. In fact, live it to the fullest. You be here, you are here, you are on this bike in a beautiful mountain, just be here. Why are we thinking about the past or the future anticipations all the time? And I think the problem is not the physical world out there. The physical world that we're experiencing is all within us. But there are moments when we eat our food and we're not even aware of what we have eaten. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't become our reality, right? So in spiritual teachings is just bringing you closer to yourself So that you can experience something with this full capacity. And I think that's beautiful.
0: That's gorgeous. I really appreciate that. Using breath to bring awareness, to bring consciousness. This is, some people might say, well, that sounds like a cliche. That sounds easier said than done. How is my breath going to help me to be more of a physical, more of a spiritual being, or more awake and aware? Talk to Mm -hmm. me about that.
1: What else we got? We got this body, right? To transcend. And we got the breath because breath is actually what connects you to the life. You know, if the breath stops, everything, you know, all the organs are going to die. And eventually, you know, you'll be like gone. So breath is the ultimate breath is what really connects you to the life. And in Hindi, in basically in the ancient scriptures of you know, Hinduism, we called it prana. When prana leaves body, we die. So it is one of the most important tools that we have to straight away alter our mind. And there has been enough scientific studies which have been done on the power of breath and especially um, in terms of you know, activating your parasympathetic nervous system. It directly brings in what we call rest and digest in our system which puts you into the resting mode and resting mode really helps us bringing the mind of the present moment so utilizing your body like utilizing the body in form of yoga asanas why yoga became so popular is that it actually made people stop take a pause be in that asana get in flow with your breath to bring the mind into the present moment and pranayama is also one of the limbs of yoga there are eight limbs of yoga So when we talk about pranayama, it's not simply a breathing exercise. It is eight different types of pranayama, which actually, you know, kind of um, can activate your parasympathetic. Like if you're feeling lethargic, can bring the coolness in the body, can actually activate the parasympathetic, which in our case is fundamentally important. So these are specific tools and technology which was you know devised by some yogis maybe like 4 5000 years ago and the reason at that time they did it because they wanted to get into the you know the highest form of samadhis or meditation which was uh, important for them to get on that path of being one with the supreme and they realized that mind was the hindrance so but anyways in today's world we don't i mean not everybody is going to the yogic path but everybody needs to bring their mind into the present moment So when we say I need to bring my mind to peace and stability, we just simply need to use our breath to do that. Mm. That's a beginning point. Mm -hmm.
0: I have this this saying, just breathe. And I use this constantly with my six-year-old because, you know, for him, he is intelligent and he has desires and curiosity and he's going through life and, you know, he wants, he wants to make a difference. He wants to create, he wants to build. And sometimes, you know, when he's, um, focused on accomplishing something and he can't do that um he becomes very you know upset and you know I always remind him just breathe and through that I think mantra I think what what I'm really trying to do is to just have him take a step back and do all these things that you're talking about which is you know taking the role of a witness to consciousness and to be able to you know tap into different parts of the brain and be able to really detach you know Mm -hmm. and I think that he understands it you know? So I think that if a six-year-old can understand it, well, I shouldn't say it like that because I think young people are, are much, much smarter than <laughs> much adults smarter. in many yeah, ways. To- but, totally. Uh, right. And
1: it's also, you know, um, I would like to emphasize one more thing about pranayama practice is that there are so many scientific studies that has been done, especially on one of the pranayama, which is called alternate nose breathing. If you Google it, you'll find out there are ample of studies done in America and other parts of the world. And they have figured out There is a brain circuit in the brain, which kind of signifies a higher level of activity when we are running or when we are overthinking or, you know, when there's like sort of nervousness in our system and that circuit actually expresses a very different type of activity when we are breathing deeply. And especially when we are doing the alternate nose breathing exercises. So this has all been done by doing this scannings and different type of technology that you know are prevalent in today's world. So brain is your representation of the mind. Mind and brain are kind of correlated. Mind is the s- softer, or I would say subtle intelligence. And brain is the you know object. It's something that you can open and see. But there is no specific thought that you can find in the brain, right? They all reside, which is a subtle component, lies in the state of mind. So if we want to change our mind, if we want to at least, you know, kind of understand our mind, understand what am I really thinking? What am I really doing? Is this right for me? Is this wrong for me? Or am I kind of really distracting myself from the real issues? You have to bring your mind to silence, at least come in the present moment. And using your breath is the only way you can do it, honestly. There's no other way.
0: Wow. This was mind-enhancing. And this was, um, I think, a really, really critical conversation. And And I can't wait to get feedback from folks from listening to this conversation. And really to take some of these mantras and these ideals and apply them to their own lives. Because, you know, our lives are filled with stress and conflict and contention, you know, if we want them to be. But if not... We can just breathe and we can look at ourselves from an exterior perspective and make better, smarter choices to ultimately, in your words, get unshakable happiness.
1: Beautiful. And I would like to actually give a little gift to the listeners uh, or the viewers. If they go to my website, SimiArua.com, there is an image that says that you can actually download a free Pranayama five-day course. So they can get access to that and, you know, that is going to be through the email delivery and they can figure out if they have never practiced Pranayama or they don't know what exactly that practice is all about. So I am offering this free course to them so they can just go click in there, fill in their email ID and they will instantly start to get the course delivery.
0: Amazing. Really appreciate that. I'll make sure to include that in the notes. Um, can you also provide where folks can find you on social?
1: Well, yes, everywhere, pretty much. Uh, on LinkedIn, it's Simi Aurora, Facebook, Simi Aurora, and on Instagram, it's uh, underscore Semi Aurora. So it's pretty much everywhere, same name.
0: Got it. Well, Simi, thank you so much for your time.
1: Pleasure was mine, totally. It was amazing. And thank you for having me on the show.
0: Thanks, Simi. Bye bye.
1: Bye. Thank you.